Hey church, welcome to another online service. So glad you chose to be with us again and with a chance to slow down from our week and focus our attention on worshiping the Lord. Feel free to join us now in song.
rising heights too fast to climb I got so high to fall so far But I found heaven as love swept low My heart beating, my soul breathing I found my life when I laid it down When my knees hit the Thank you so, so much, worship team. Hello, everyone out there online. It's so good to be with you. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. I have a couple of announcements. The first one is 
Man, how amazing is it that we have a God that bends down to listen to us when we, when we cry out to him, um, that we have this avenue of prayer to go before him. And man, we would just love to partner with you in prayer this week. Please text any prayer request to 97,000, and we'd love to pray for you this week. Hey, we've got so, so much going on here at the church. Go ahead and check out the website. We've got all events coming up. There's information about ministries, Bible studies, etc. Go to the website, check it all out. There's so much information on there for you. Also, uh, what you can do on the website, man, if you've been blessed by these messages and videos and services every week, and you'd consider uh, donating to the church, you can do that online through the Give tab. That would be amazing. All right, now as we get into a time in God's Word, let me pray for us and we'll dive in. Dear Lord, um, God, just thank you for who you are, for your character. Um, Lord, thank you that you've given us your Word um, for us to know you better. And Lord, I just pray that you'd use this time now, that you'd shape us, that you'd sharpen us, that you'd change us, Lord. We uh, genuinely come to you with open hands today and say, Lord, what do you want to say to us? So, Lord, we love you. We give you this time now. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you, worship team. And uh, thank you, Josh. Always good to be in the Lord's house, even when it's online, but a chance to worship our King. Well, I want to welcome you to another uh, chance to dive into God's Word. And as you know, we're working through this series, working through the book of Hebrews. And uh, we're in Hebrews chapter 7 this week. We're starting in verse 23, just going through verse 28. But just as a little bit of a recap, just a reminder of where we're at. We're in this series, and the series is called Greater Than. And really in the book of Hebrews, our author has been taking us through and comparing and contrasting Jesus to really all the things that the world offers as sources of strength, as sources of comfort, so things that are proposed that would be worthy of leaning into. And it's concluding every single time that Jesus is greater than. Last week, Josh did a wonderful job of, uh, with really a pretty challenging uh, passage, explaining Jesus' superiority over the priests his audience had grown up with. The author was really wanting to make sure that they didn't slip back into Judaism, as that would have been so inviting for them to do. He's encouraging them to stay the course that Jesus was greater than the priests they were familiar with. They didn't want the Hebrew believers slipping back to Judaism. And they did a great job of kind of revealing the different things that are shortcomings so that the people, the audience, wouldn't be enticed to go back into that world. Well, as you're reading through that, you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have a problem putting my trust in priests. This seems like an issue limited to that day in that time, to that specific audience. Well, I would suggest differently as our conversation continues this week that we have our own version of high priests today. In that time period, the Sanhedrin was the governing body of Israel. It was the supreme political and religious body. They didn't have a separation between church and state. It was basically one governing body over both arenas of life. No separation. It was made up of, if you're not familiar with this, of 70 chief priests and scribes. So kind of a council, if you will. And the high priest, which we're talking about here today, was the president of that council. 
So kind of like a, a, a Congress or a Senate, a gathering, a counseling group, with then ultimately the decisions being made by the high priest. So for all intents and purposes, the high priest would have been similar with other nations to a king or present day to a president. So for us, we might not have a problem putting our hope and trust in priests, but I would suggest that we still have a strong pull to place our hope in the political priests of our day, believing that they can offer hope or rescue for the desperate situation that we're in as a world and really help solve the things that plague our nation. But you might not realize this is something that we see really day after day as a battle, as a tug for us to be drawn towards that, as they're going to be the solution, the fix to our problems. You might not realize this. I get a lot of tug and a lot of push from different directions to try to utilize this pulpit to be more politically focused, that we identify a side and we focus on that within our gatherings each week. But I would suggest that this section of scripture that we're in gives a seal-proof case, in my opinion, as to why that's not wise. Why not? That's not what we're called to as the body of Christ. Let me pray before we get into this potentially hot topic. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to gather around your word. And I absolutely love how it speaks to really every situation of life. Any scenario you think of eventually gets touched on and hit on. Even if it's not specific, there's definitely overlap, especially in this topic. God, I pray that we'd be sensitive to your spirit right now, that you'd convict, that you'd encourage, that you'd maybe even change our thinking on some of these topics right now. God, I pray that you'd empower me, that you would be great, I would be small, that you'd speak through me even in this, in this time together. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, starting in Hebrews, in chapter 7, verse 23, it begins like this. It says, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We'll pause there. I don't know if you grew up with this or not, but my, we've teased my dad for years and years for being the, the master of duct tape. Uh, he grew up and my grandfather was actually really good at fixing just about anything. He was actually the head of maintenance at a hospital in Philadelphia. And so he really had learned how to, how to fix or solve anything mechanically or woodwork or any of that. Well, for some reason, that skipped my dad as far as being passed on. It wasn't necessarily known for being a fix-it type person, but we never had to worry because that didn't limit his ability to solve things because of the introduction of duct tape. You'd find things all over the house that my dad had solved simply by using this wonderful sticky material to pull and hold things together. 
We knew it had, it had gone too far when my older sister, uh, Kathleen, was in some kind of a, a band concert or event, and she had white shoes, but they needed black shoes for the one-time event. So my dad had the solution in mind. Black duct tape or black tape would solve even that problem. As I've gotten older, I've realized that duct tape, as awesome as it might be, is good for temporary fixes, but not real great for fixing something in the long term. Think about that. And the reason I bring that up is because really this is what was being addressed there with his audience. They were so familiar with the Old Testament sacrificial system that they had grown up with, been exposed to priests that would make sacrifices on their behalf, but they needed to understand that that was never intended to be a long-term solution. It was the duct tape fix until the permanent fix of Jesus Christ would come and solve once and for all the issue of sin. So our author points out that former pray, that the former priests, though many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, their, their solution was only temporary. They were the duct tape, if you will. Now, why is it that they were only a temporary solution? You see it right there in the text that really the same thing that we deal with today is that death rate is still hovering right around 100%. It's pretty much the one guarantee in life. Now, I imagine with these different priests in leadership over the different years, they would have had some that did better than others. Ones that were maybe had more of an influence on the people, maybe that made better decisions, but it didn't change the root problem of sinful man. If you think about us as a nation, you look back, my daughter Sienna is going through all details in school about the different presidents that we've had. And I read through the different lists of different presidents and I might be able to identify ones that did better than others, some that were maybe uh, more noble, some that had more of an impact, others that, uh, that didn't do so great. We all likely have our opinion on favorites. But either way, we have to recognize still today that none of them solved our issues long-term either. You see, what sets Jesus apart is he is the permanent solution to the real issue that we have, which isn't made up by temporary presidents. What does it tell us that he's able to fix? It says he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. There's so much at stake if you think about it, more, much more than the loss of freedom or economic uh, collapse. People need to be saved from what? From the wrath of God. From the wrath of God. Imagine if we were able to get everything fixed on our planet. No more pollution, peace across the planet, perfectly sharing our resources, the end of racism, disease completely eliminated, but everyone is still headed to a Christless eternity in hell. What would we have accomplished? Maybe a more pleasurable 70, 80, 100 years that we're given here on life, but in light of eternity, if you think about it, Really, who cares about that solve? What Jesus is able to offer is more than a duct 
tape fix. Jesus is the only one who can save us from what? From God's wrath. I know it's an unpopular topic, but that's our greatest need. John 3.36 explains this to us. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but instead the wrath of God remains on him. Or Romans 5.9 tells us, Having now been justified by his blood, Jesus, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Does this mean that we ignore political issues and being active in the community? Absolutely not. Don't hear me as saying that. Instead, we should be some of the best citizens on the planet, equipped and trained in the word of God, directed by the Holy Spirit to be active and involved in making a difference. But that doesn't mean that's what we should be elevating politics from the pulpit, pulpit, because that is not our main call. Our main call is to rescue people from God's wrath. So you won't be seeing me draw political lines or identifying all the problems with our society. We have Tucker Carlson or Don Lemon to do that. I really like the idea that we need to stay focused. Andy Stanley, maybe you're familiar with him. He's a well-known pastor. He states this. He says, when a local church becomes preoccupied with saving America at the expense of saving Americans, it has forsaken its mission. I'll say that one more time. When a local church becomes preoccupied with saving America, trying to rescue the country that once was at the expense of saving Americans with the gospel of Jesus Christ, it has forsaken its mission. The people, if you think about it, they wanted the exact same thing with, from Jesus. They wanted him to, content, to condemn the establishment. But you think about how much time Jesus spent in his teaching and his preaching with trying to push against the, the Roman Empire and against all of the tyranny of that day. Almost zero attention around that. It was always pointing towards the rescue plan that each one of them desperately needed. As much as they wanted him to rescue them from their current situation, he was rescuing them from the greater thing, which was their sin. John three seventeen says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That should be our priority as well. Our heart and our compassion should be to point people towards the permanent solution. The one thing that's last, the one thing that's not limited by four years or a lifespan. Instead, a permanent solution for our sin. If you think about it, even the Apostle Paul, he was pushed to be in one camp or another. They were asking him to take sides, but it was always fascinating to me his response to that. He says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. What people really need, as I've mentioned, is the permanent fix. Someone representing them before Almighty God. That's why I love here in the text what it says. It says, he always lives to make intercession for them. Those who draw close to God through Jesus Christ, he lives, continues to exist to make intercession in our behalf. 
like thinking about what that intercession looks like. John 17 describes what Jesus' prayer for his people, for, his, for his, his children would look like. We get one picture of that. But I also think of intercession as pleading on our behalf every time we mess up. All right, man, there, there, he messed up again. I covered that. He messed up again. I covered that. I covered that too. Thinking of him speaking on our behalf, a perpetual petition on our behalf. You also think the tenderness of his prayers on our behalf as well, knowing our needs much greater than we even know ourselves. Before we even get to him in prayer, he's praying on our behalf. Don't you wonder and think about what he might be praying on for your behalf? Maybe he's praying that your character would be developed during this time of uncertainty in our world. Maybe he's praying that a, a sickness or something you're struggling with might draw you closer and more dependent on him. That something that you're going through might break the, the pride that's maybe snuck in unknowing to you in your life. We don't know what he's petitioning, but it's pretty awesome to think that that is what Jesus is continually doing on our behalf. So the first thing we identify is that the world's priest or high priest is only a temporary fix to a more important issue than it could ever solve. Continue in the text, verse 26. It says, For it was indeed fitting that we would have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. Like those words, it says, fitting that we should have such a high priest. In other words, there's only one that's qualified to represent us. That's another reason why I steer clear from politics. It's brought up right here in the text. What does it say? He, referring to Jesus, look, look again with me, says he has no need like those high priests, a word for president in that day, to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins. What's he saying in that? Basically, he's explaining the fact that the priests had their own sin issues to deal with. They had their own shortcomings. That's why we needed a better high priest than what man could offer. That's why when I consider the options of leaders, I believe we're living in Babylon and choosing between two extremely flawed kings. I can call out glaring inconsistencies in both of our parties in the United States that we're dealing with, leaving me, if I'm honest with myself, really unwilling to publicly or fully back either of them as the solution for the world or our country's problems. Even if you align more with the policies on the right, you can't ignore the dishonesty regularly on display. Or if you resonate with the left, wanting to equally share resources, you can't ignore the inconsistency demonstrated by its spokesmen. I was accused of avoiding these topics to keep everyone happy, but I would say it's not to keep everyone happy. I have no problem calling out spiritual issues from the pulpit, but I just don't find the solution in the sin-stained government 
that man is offering. That's the point that our author is making here. I don't think Donald Trump or Joe, or Joe Biden can fix the mess we're in. We need a better high priest. That's what it describes here. Such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Doesn't that sound like an amazing descriptor of the president we all long for? Look at what, how it describes him. First, holy, which means set apart, not like us, different. He describes it as innocent. So you think about being innocent as a, a, a leader. There would be no dirt that they could dig up on them during the election. That's the description of our king that we find our hope in. Holy, innocent. I like this word unstained. Unstained has the idea or this picture of there's nothing that's kind of hidden behind the scenes that's, that's, that's uh, left them marked or, or dirty. There's no hidden or secret habit or anything that's not been exposed that will ultimately be exposed. I think so often sin leaves us stained. It leaves us even unknowing and not even recognizing how uh, entangled in it we are. So often we like to vilify different uh, groups of people or different leadership groups, even in the topic of politics. But I think so often they're just living consistent. They're convinced even of their own lies. Because why? Because even their thought process is stained. Romans 1 describes us being turned over to our sin and being blinded to that. So thinking about Jesus being set apart, being holy, being unstained by the world. Describes them as unstained and separated from sinners. Now that's a tricky one to navigate because in other parts of scripture you see Jesus described as a friend of sinner. So he's a friend of sinner. In other words, reaching out in love and compassion to sinners, but not partaking. He's separated, set apart from sinners. So nothing's rubbing off on him or being transferred to him. Then lastly, in this description of the perfect king is exalted above the heavens. He's not limited in power or authority. This speaks of his exalted position after the cross. You remember where he's elevated to? Up to the right hand of God the Father. And he's been placed above everything. Not just some things, above all things. There's no aspect of his, part of his power or his reign that's limited. So often with earthly leaders, we're just like, man, they seem like they're in over their head. They're not even qualified for this. Well, that's not the case with Jesus Christ. He's the one leader that is qualified and elevated above all else. So he's the one I've been hired to proclaim not making political or medical suggestions that have the potential to divide and to alienate half of the population. That's not the calling. My calling as the pastor of this church is to keep pointing you to Jesus Christ. He's the one that's qualified to lead. Continuing the text, even making an additional point about man's weakness. It says, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. 
But the word of the oath, remember talking about that a couple weeks ago, Jesus' commitment, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Powerful description of Jesus Christ, but what it points out to is this whole idea of the weakness of man. I don't know if you're old enough to realize after a number of years, you start to realize that there's certain things that maybe you're good at and certain things that you realize, man, I'm just not very good at that. It just doesn't come very natural to me. I joke about this a little bit some years back. I used to think of myself as being somebody that had a bit of a green thumb until I moved to the state of California. Now I can't seem to keep anything alive. Like I go around my house, I've got all of these succulents that I always overwater and end up killing somehow in the backyard. We tried to have a uh, we tried to put in, in place an avocado tree, but I guess I put it too directly in the sunlight. So that thing fried my grass in my front yard. I can't seem to keep green. I've realized after a number of years, I have to give up that title. I'm just not very good at it. Not from a lack of effort and not from a lack of trying. See, every single one of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we have strengths and we have weaknesses. It's interesting what our author points out that the law or what man has put in place appoints men in their weakness as high priests. In other words, we, we're, we're placed, we're, we're put in positions that we're not designed for or really even necessarily good at. Don't you feel like that sometimes when you lo look at people in leadership positions? You're just like, how in the world did they get in that position? Like, how did they get elevated to that spot? That's what he's describing here. The law, the, the system that's in place here on earth elevates people into positions like high priest. High priest, like I mentioned at the beginning, would be similar to a, a president or a king, but they're lacking in ability and talent. We bear the results of that as the subject of these high priests or kings. We bear the, the results of that and realize, man, every single day we're highlighting their weaknesses. We're like, look how poor they are doing at that. Look how poor they're doing at that. Really, you switch presidents and they just shift from one highlighting their incompetencies to the next, highlighting their incompetencies because of this exact reality that no man is qualified to fill the role of leader other than the one and only Jesus Christ. The son who has been made perfect forever, that has no shortcomings, that has no flaws, that has no weaknesses. He's intended to be the one that we continue to go back to. So me personally, during this season of, of war, of COVID, all the crazy with our economy, gas prices, the, 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 the risk of nuclear fallout, all the stuff that we're bombarded with, within the middle of all of that, man, I'm not turning to any earthly kings. I'm solely turning to the king of kings, the only one who's qualified for that job. And in the meantime, while I'm clinging to him, I'm going to continue to pray and call out for our leaders in their weakness. It's interesting that that's what scripture calls us to, to pray, to lift up, to elevate our kings and our leaders in our world right now. 
So I'm not going to be seduced by the suggestion that weak men are the answer or the tools and tactics used by this kingdom can fix our problems. But instead, looking back, and we'll close with this, looking back at verse 25, it describes those who draw near to God through Jesus Christ. I want to be that person. And I like that it describes drawing near. It doesn't say those who drew near as if it was a one-time event. But it's an ongoing thing that we cling to him through all of this, through the chaos, through the good times, through the bad times, that we don't call out to the kings of this earth. I like this idea. One author says that our uncompromising devotion to our better king will ultimately make America a better nation. So this is not an idea of us self-help or fixing, self, uh, fixing ourselves or trying to solve things with the things of this world, but instead clinging to him, our one solution in all of this. Let me pray as we wrap up. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this chance to engage your word and how it speaks to our dependency and who it should be placed on. And it's so tempting in this world to, to put our hope that maybe somebody that was on this planet might rescue us. Even look across, I know I do this, look across the landscape and think, isn't there somebody that can lead this world better than we're currently being led? But in that, the reminder we need to keep going back to is because we're designed and created to be solely and completely led by you. We thank you for that re reality and that reminder. I pray that we consistently going back, keep going back to that even, even during seasons like this. Now, God, we just want to just in conclusion, get a chance to, to celebrate you and worship you in song. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the
church. Well, again, thanks for being with us online. As usual, any way we can serve you at all, always feel the freedom to reach out to us at the church. You can always text us at 97,000 if you have a prayer request, something we can join you in prayer about. God bless you. Have an amazing week.